Psalm 56. Give everybody a second to turn there. We're about a third of the way through the Psalms. There's a lot of these Psalms. We will do a few and we'll take a break and we'll we'll do a few more. But we've been in here for a while. We're going to do a few more though before we before we move on to something else. I like to throw these Psalms in occasionally and try to knock a few of them out because there are so many of them. And, and a lot of them are, are very similar as we've seen in the last few weeks. A lot of the language that's used in them uh, it's kind of repetitive. A lot of the things that David says uh, is, is, is hard times pretty much. He's on the run a lot from his enemies, and that's what we're going to see in this one tonight, and we've seen that in a lot of the ones we've looked at here lately. All right, Psalm 56. We'll read through the whole thing, and then we'll pray, and we'll talk about it. For the choir director, according to a silent dove far away, a Davidic mictum, when the Philistine seized him in Gath. Be gracious to me, God, for man tramples me. He fights and oppresses me all day long. My adversaries trample me all day, for many arrogantly fight against me. When I am afraid, I will trust in you, in God whose word I praise, in God I trust. I will not fear. What can man do to me? They twist my words all day long. All their thoughts against me are evil. They stir up strife. They lurk. They watch my steps while they wait to take my life. Will they escape in spite of such sin? God, bring down the nations in wrath. You yourself have recorded my wanderings. Put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your records? Then my enemies will retreat on the day when I call. This I know, God is for me. In God, whose word I praise, in the Lord, whose word I praise, in God I trust, I will not fear. What can man do to me? I am ob obligated by vows to you, God. I will make my thank offerings to you. For you delivered me from death, even my feet from stumbling to walk before God in the light of life. Let's pray. God, we come to you tonight, and what a powerful word we see here with David, the encouragement that we can take from the trust that David has in you, God, that it would be encouragement to us, dear Lord, because we can have the same trust in you, and I pray that we will, God, in the midst of our troubles and our trials and our fears and our worries, whatever it may be, God, I pray that we would look at the words of David here, and that we would just tuck them away in our heart, that we would remember them, that we would call on them, that we would learn to trust in you just as David did. And I pray that you be with me as I preach and teach tonight, and let your words just speak to each of our hearts. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. This psalm has another good superscription. I say good in that it's, 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 it's detailed. We have a little detail. I like those that give us a little detail about when this was being written, what the events were that were surrounding the words that David was writing. Now, it says here something that we have not seen before up to this point in these Psalms, and that is that it is according to a silent dove far away, or from a distant land, some of your translations may say. Now, 
again, with many of these titles and, and words and phrases we see in these superscriptions, it's hard to know exactly uh, what that means. It probably was the tune to some song. Uh, this silent dove far away may have been a song that was sung among the people. Uh, perhaps David is using this term to kind of uh, uh, apply to his life. That is, that he is a dove. He is a righteous one of God, and he is far away from his home. He is far away from, from safety. He's in a distant land where enemies are coming against him. So perhaps it's descriptive language, and Jesus is, is or excuse me, and David is using himself as a dove as representative of himself and his situation as being the distant land or being far away. Or it could be that it's a song, that it's a tune of a song that this psalm was sung to, or it could be something else. I don't know. Those are probably uh, the, the, the most popular uh, uh, thoughts as to what that could mean, but we really don't know exactly what that phrase means. Now, it says at the end of the superscription, that this was written when the Philistine seized him in Gath. Now, you can find this event in 1 Samuel chapter 21. At the end of 1 Samuel 21, you can read about this, 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 this event that's referenced here in this superscription. Now, David was fleeing from Saul at that time, and he went to various different places, and he ended up in Gath. And while he was in Gath, he was recognized by the people there. They said, wait a minute, this is David. This is the one who has killed tens of thousands of people. This is the one whom they say about David, uh, Saul has killed thousands and David has killed tens of thousands. And so they recognized who David was. Now, when, when David knew that they, that they knew who he was, he had escaped from Saul, but he, he left from one problem and now found himself in another problem. The king of, 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 of Gath was informed who David was, that David was among them. So they brought David to the king of Gath. Now, David's life was in jeopardy still. Uh, he had escaped from Saul, but here he was before this other king. And so David decided to do something that is kind of crazy. And maybe you've read this story before and you may have think, boy, this is kind of crazy. And it is kind of crazy, but... What David does is he actually pretends as though he is crazy. He pretends as though he is insane. He begins to scribble things on the wall and begins to let the, the, the spit drool down his beard and drip down his beard. And he acts like a crazy man, like an insane man. And when he goes before the king, the king says, what is this that you brought before me? Who is this man that you have brought before me? This is another crazy person. Don't, don't I already have enough crazy people in my kingdom and here you are bringing me another crazy person? Now, that's a, that's a crazy thing that David would act that way, but, but it saved his life possibly. It, it got him out of the situation. Now, I don't know what we're really supposed to make of that. Maybe that is a good example. Perhaps there are times in our life that may call for some odd circumstances for some crazy things. I really don't know. That's something that maybe we need to tuck away and we need to be prayerful about maybe what, what that means in our life if there is any application to our life and what that uh, may look like. Uh, and as crazy as that story may be, uh, regardless of what the application may be for our life, that's the events that were going on when David wrote this psalm. And so we get an idea of what uh, of the fear that he may have had. He was fearful for his life because Saul was after him. And now he's in a foreign land trying to escape, but yet he cannot escape. Even there, he is so well known, even in a foreign land, 
uh, his enemies recognize who he is. And so with that in mind, he penned this psalm. And it starts out very similar to some other psalms that we've looked at over the last few weeks. He's asking God to be gracious to him, to deliver him from the enemies who are coming against him. It says in verse 1, Be gracious to me, God, for man tramples me. He fights and oppresses me all day long. And so David is just, he cannot get any relief. It is from one enemy to the next enemy. And you can imagine how that presses down on you. Now, maybe we've never been in a situation where we have enemies in the same way that David did pressing down on us. But we do sometimes have things that are hard in our life. Life situations, difficulties, where it seems like there is one thing on top of another, on top of another, and we feel the weight and the burden of things that we may be going through, even if it's not an enemy like this. We can understand when David talks about being afraid. Now, we have all been afraid, and it really doesn't matter what it is that causes us to fear or what it is that it is that causes us to be afraid, whether it's an enemy like David is experiencing or whether it's some situation, it matters not because when you are afraid, you are afraid. There is something that has gotten you there. The question is, how are you going to respond when you are afraid? Now, David here, as we referenced at the beginning of the superscription, uh, he, it says that uh, it's um, a silent uh, dove far away. Now, I mentioned that this could be applicable to David, that he could be referring to himself as a dove. And I think that there is <coughs> excuse me, some scriptural support to make, that, to make that claim in that Jesus himself told the disciples uh, that they were to be as harmless as doves. And so Jesus refers to his followers as dove. And, and so it's possible uh, that David, uh, when he uses this language, he's simply using that language uh, in, in a way to say that he is a righteous man in the midst of all of these evil people because that's what we see in these first couple of verses here is that these evil people are, are, are coming against David. And, and even though he's in the midst of this circumstances, uh, we, we, we think of a dove. A dove is not uh, an animal that's going to fight back. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a harmless animal, as Jesus would call it. And so these references that Jesus uh, uses of his people in the New Testament, whether it be doves or whether it be sheep, when we, when we see these types of illustrations, in some way, uh, maybe they are representative for, for how we are supposed to be. Uh, that is, doves are sheep, neither one of them are animals who are really going to fight back. Uh, they are relatively harmless. And maybe when David uses that language there that he says, uh, I'm a dove in a foreign land, he's saying, look, I'm a righteous man in the midst of all of this evil. And that's what brought the fear to his life. But he says, when I'm afraid, I will trust in you. When I'm afraid, I will trust in God. Now, if we were to, to, to take that statement and we were to, we were to chop off God there, or you in the, in the text that's speaking of God, what do we do when we are afraid? When I am afraid, I will blank. What, what do we do? Do we trust in the Lord? Do we pray to the Lord? Do we call out to the Lord? Is there something else we seek? Someone else we seek. When we are afraid, what do we run to? What is our comfort? What is our strength? 
Uh, what is our go-to? It should be the Lord, and hopefully it is the Lord, but it may not always be. There may be some worldly things that we seek comfort and we seek strength in before we seek them in the Lord. But David knew where to go, and he knew where to go first. When he was afraid, he trusted in the Lord. He didn't trust in anything else. He trusted in the Lord, and that's what you and I should do too. We need to learn uh, from David's words here. And he goes on to say that he has nothing to fear because he trusts in the Lord. Now, down in verse 8, we see some more interesting language that's used here. In verse 8, it says, You yourself have recorded my wanderings, put my tears in your bottle, and they are they not in your records? Now, David is asking the Lord for help here. He's acknowledging that there is evil people who are coming against him. And he says, but God, you know everything. You know what's going on. You are aware of my situation. You hear the calls that I'm making to you. You know my misery. You know my pain. You know my sorrow. You know my fear. God, you know all of those things. You have recorded those things. And then he says that God put his tears in his bottle. Now, what in the world does that mean? And that uh, they were recorded in his records or in the Lord's books. Now, that's kind of crazy language that maybe we don't hear very much. And it's possible, I suppose, that David views God as having a physical bottle or some type of physical book. But I believe that this, this language is most certainly symbolic language. And that when David says, you have my tears in the bottle and, and you, you have recorded these sorrows and my tears and my fears and all of these things in your record, I think that's David's way of simply saying, you know everything that I am going through. No tear is shed that God doesn't know about. There's no sorrow that we feel. There's no heartache that we experience. There's no trial that we go through that God does not know we are going through. And there are certainly trials and tribulations and difficulties in our life that will cause us to shed tears. And it's reassuring, I believe, that we read these words and we know that God knows every tear that we have shed. God knows everything that we have gone through. And David goes on to say, then my enemies will retreat when I call on the Lord. David knows that his enemies will be overcome. David knows that the evil will be repaid, that all of the sorrow, the pain, and the suffering that he has gone through will be rightly and fully compensated by God, that nothing that David has gone through, no sorrow he has experienced, God will not allow any of those to go unpunished, and God will take care of David. And we need to know the same is true for us. In the midst of our sorrows and our hard times and in our pain and suffering, one day God will rightly compensate us. Not that we deserve any compensation, but we are compensated in a way in that we are given eternal life, not because we deserve it, but by the grace of Jesus Christ. And David says, there's not a tear that is shed that God does not know about. There is not any amount of pain and suffering that God is not aware of, that he is not going through us with it, or going, going through it with us, and that he will not help us to overcome. And as great as our pain and suffering may be, boy, how great will our reward be in our eternity 
with the Lord be? You know, we hear maybe a lot of times here, especially when it comes to lawsuit, one of the things that people will often uh, want to sue for is pain and suffering. Well, we don't really have a way to measure pain and suffering. We would all like to think that any pain and suffering we do is surely worth five or six million dollars at the very least. But there's really no way to measure somebody's pain and suffering. Anybody can say, oh yeah, I've had, I've had such great pain and suffering and it's, it's really going to take a lot of money for me to, to, to overcome this in my life. But there's no real way to measure and account for and compensate for the pain and suffering that we have in lawsuits and things of this world. But when it comes to God, he knows our pain and suffering fully. He knows every single thing we go through. He knows the tears that we shed. He keeps a record of them. I don't believe that God's up there with, a, with an old feather pen, dipping it in the ink, writing our, all this stuff in a book. God doesn't need a book and he doesn't need a bottle, but he knows what we go through and he will not forget that. He will remember the sufferings that we go through for him. And he will remember those who bring about the suffering of God's people. And if they do not repent and turn to Jesus Christ, then they will experience the suffering and the wrath of God. And David recognizes that. In the midst of all that he's going through, he says, I will not be afraid. And when I am afraid, I will trust in the Lord. But I have nothing to fear because I fear the Lord. I trust in the Lord. <clears throat> he says in verse 12, I am obligated by vows to you, God. I will make my thank offerings to you, for you delivered me from death, even my feet from stumbling to walk before God in the light of life. Now, this is a similar ending to what we saw a couple of Psalms back where David uses this language as though this has already occurred, and perhaps it is. Perhaps this psalm was written after these events, and, and David is reflecting on the things that he thought and said in those times, and then he closes out closes it out by saying, but God, you delivered me. I didn't die at the hands of my enemy. God, you heard my cries to you. God, you heard my calls for help. God, you delivered me. And in a way, we hopefully will follow the example of David, and that is when we are afraid, we will trust in God. When we are against an enemy that is overwhelming us, we will call out to God. And when all is said and done, and this life is over, there is no enemy who will overcome us if we have put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And we call out to God in this life, and we will praise God for all of eternity in the life to come because we will be victorious over our enemies. There will no longer be anything else to be afraid of if we have put our trust in Jesus Christ. So if you are in the midst of a suffering today, if you will one day suffer in the future, do not forget that God knows your sufferings. He is with you in your sufferings. And one day, one day, those sufferings will come to an end and you will be in the presence of God and the greatness of God and the glory of God. And those who have lived an evil life will no longer be able to touch you and affect you in any way. David recognized that truth, and I hope that we will recognize and live by that same truth too. Father God, we come to you tonight, and I thank you for these good words, and I pray that we would call out to you when we are afraid, because the truth of the matter is, God, we are afraid sometimes. It doesn't matter if we are four years old or 84 years old. God, there are times in our life where we are afraid. 
And so, God, I pray that when those times come, that we would come to you, that we would trust you, that we would seek you, just as David did. God, when everything seems like it's piling on and it seems like there is no light at the end of the tunnel, God, I pray that you would help us just to raise our head and look again because there is light in Jesus Christ. So, God, I pray that no matter what may be against us, who may be against us, God, no matter how many tears that we shed, that we know that you are there to catch our tears. You know our sufferings. You know our pain. You know our heartaches. God, and, and you will take care of us. God, you will take care of us in this life, and you will most certainly, in a perfect and glorious way, take care of us eternally if we put our faith in Jesus Christ. And I pray, God, that if there's one in here that's never trusted Jesus, today that they would do it, that they would put their faith in him, that they would follow him, and that they would live by what he commands, that they would live by his example. And God, I just ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for today's service. To learn more about Jesus, call or text Pastor Shan at 601-657-0180 or email him at shanvn at me.com. You can also visit us at www.enterprisebaptist.church or follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash ebcliberty. We hope that you have been blessed by today's service.